is the Doctor, President-elect of the High Council of Time Lords. I am definitely a madman with a box. Anyone for Jelly, baby? I'm the Doctor. I'm 904 years old. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Castabras. Hey who fans and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 83. 83. <laughs> I thought you were trying to phase that out, mate. The, uh... No, I used to do the woohoo and I just, uh, yeah, I got bored of doing that. But, um, <laughs> so I'd just do a silly voices instead now. I was so, dancing so enthusiastically to the intro music that I actually just knocked my mic. And, uh, <laughs> so if, if anyone heard a big clunk during the music uh, that was me that's Adam getting down yeah instead of theme you. tune yeah so it's not so much as a, a phase out more of just a, a change up a change up that's it yeah a change yeah. of direction yeah I'm saving the big woohoo for the hundredth where are we We're 83 aren't we now so. 83 yeah 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 I'm not sure about the old hundredth yet we have got something planned but it mm. depends if we've got the time and the and the, the resource to work it out but what we're planning could be cool. Yeah. I was might, trying to work out what the 100th Doctor Who episode was as well. I was thinking we could review that, but um, I have a feeling it's not... I think it might be the Stones of Blood or something like that. I can't remember. I was trying to sort of think how we could tie it in with Doctor Who and the episode, but oh, I don't know why I've got a bit. Just in the back of my head, I've got a feeling it was the Stones of Blood or something like that. Um, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, Stones of Blood. Is it? No. Yeah, Yeah. I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm trying to think because a hundred in when you think of all the dot two stories, doesn't you, you'd think that would be way off? So I could be completely wrong. I bet listeners are out there going, "What?" But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We'll do. But I need to we'll look. Need to look up what the hundredth story was. So I was thinking maybe we could do that. Well, there's probably it's a bit convoluted. There's probably um, uh, plenty of arguments about what's the broad, what's the hundredth story to be broadcast if you. Don't include like the missing stories and all the, and all, all that, like, yeah, or like chronologically, what's the hundredth, but and all that stuff. So yeah, who knows? That's true. In the TV, in the uh, no, not TV movies, the cushion movies, and all <laughs> oh, the cushion. You yeah. could bring, you could, yeah, it's a whole can of worms, isn't it? Uh, that, yeah, we don't want to go down that road because yeah. our our OCD will just be like, what the hell? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, forget about the hundredth episode. We're eighty three. And we yes. have some... Uh, uh, so, last week, uh, it was a bit of a break from uh, standard format for us. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed our catch-up and our cosy little chat with Mr. Andrew Cartmel. Uh, and I've, uh, I've listened to it a couple... I don't generally listen back to our own podcast, but I've listened to that one a couple of times because it's just... It's always fascinating to hear Andrew talk about what went on around that whole time of Doctor Who and his f- mm. thoughts and feelings and on the actors and the other producers and stuff like that and people at the BBC. So, yes, so it was uh, it was really good insight to um, what went down at the Beeb. It was. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's a really interesting bloke. And what I really liked about it was I've I've heard other interviews with him and, uh, that have been really good, so I was quite excited to talk to him. But I haven't heard him talk about the Colin era much before. So I was quite pleased, you know, when he started chatting about that. We got a bit of an insight into his thoughts on that. Um, yeah. And that's not something I've heard him talk about before because obviously he's 
so heavily involved in the McCoy era. That's what he, he concentrates on. So, yeah, no, he's, he's just um, he's just a really nice guy. And I did, although the the interview went out on the Friday, I got to meet him <laughs> on the Wednesday before because we had recorded it the week before. So all a bit timey-wimey. And, uh, yeah, I went up and introduced myself and it's like, hello, good to see you. I'm from the podcast. We spoke last week. And, yeah, he's just a really, really nice guy, Andrew. Really, really, really nice guy. Yeah, he does seem like a, like a lovely chap. Yeah, he said he really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, he wouldn't. Yeah. Well, exactly. A chance to hang out with us too. He wouldn't. He wouldn't enjoy it. Come on. <laughs> That's it. I was trying to get get him to take us over to one of the US conventions uh, in his suitcase, but um, yeah, don't know if that'll happen. Uh, US conventions. Did you see um, that uh, David Tennant and Billy Piper had signed up to uh, another uh, US convention? That's coming up very soon. I, I didn't actually know. I I've been yeah, I've been a bit out of the loop this last week. What's what's been happening? Yeah, so um I can't remember the name of it. I I would spend the time now to look it up, but uh, there's another US convention that those two have have uh, gladly signed up to do. So I, it could be the fact that Billy Piper's just announced her split from her current husband. She needs a bit of um mm. a little bit of mate time because I know she's really good mates with with David Tennant, so um, yeah. maybe she just needs a bit of a uh, Time on the road with her mates, kind of thing. So she needs to geek out. She needs to geek out a little bit and forget about yeah. the woes of, of of married life and divorce and all that stuff. So, yeah. but yes, another US convention. Those two are 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 heading there because they do do quite a few conventions together. They do, don't I've they? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They are two people I would love to get a picture <laughs> with. I must admit. Um, <laughs> I don't know how much that would be. I'm not sure what the prices are like at US conventions, but you know, they they're quite an iconic TARDIS team in terms of the new series, aren't they? So Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't mind bagging that one. Could you imagine the if Showmasters managed to bag those two for like the London film <laughs> and Comic Con, it'd be like uh what's the ticket price for that now? Is it a tenner? Twelve quid? Fifteen yes, quid? Yeah, yeah. It does vary a bit, I think, but round about that, yeah. Yeah. So you'd have that and then they'd probably charge around eighty quid. I would say between 60 and 80 quid for a photo. Yeah. I think Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca, he was 40 for a photo. But, but, uh, yeah. Recently. And I mean, I mean, yeah, he's big, but I think these guys would probably be yeah. more. Oh, of course. Yeah. Cause I think, um, when Gillian Anderson was there, she was 60 quid. Right. Memory serves. And I think Michael J. Fox and those guys, that was like 50. Yeah. So sorry. something like that around there. But I imagine for those two together, they would be pretty pricey. I don't think Showmasters have managed to get Tenant before. I might be wrong. I've got a feeling they've had Matt Swift before, though, because they seem to have him on their website, like uh, on the photo booth bit. Yeah. There's a picture of him with with. Um, I mean, that's not to say it's a UK one, I suppose. I don't know, but but yeah, I have a feeling Matt might have done one. I'm not sure about David. Yeah. I don't think David Tennant's done one, but I know that Matt Smith has done at least two. Has he for Showmasters? Yeah. David Tennant, I, th- I agree, mate. I don't think they've they've nabbed him yet. Mm. I'd l- I'd love to get a photo with Matt. Actually, I really really like Matt. Mm. That would be good. It would be good, and I've come close so many times as well. But <clears throat> it's quite ironic seeing seeing the Peter Capaldi signing in H and V the other week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, how he oh, I don't know if it was down to him or what, but he stayed really late and made sure everyone got photos and the staff were taking the photos and I was thinking that is so different to when I met Matt at the you know HMV signings it just couldn't have been more opposite you would just rush through like cattle no photos you know it's <laughs> like I think now that they've sort of twigged on that 
um, you know, that it just it does them good on social media. I think they now welcome it. Do you know what I mean? I think. Mm. But uh, yeah, but it was great to see all these fans, like you know, every single one of them coming away with like photo with Capaldi, just like I can't believe that's just happened, and you know, it makes a big difference. I think that was great to see. Um, I, was, I was on Twitter at that time, and it was just loads of because obviously, obviously, I don't follow all of the people that were there, but because they'd hashtag Doctor Who and all the rest of it, there was just like hundreds of retweets just going going bonkers. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. It was just it was made time to stop with loads of fans and take a selfie and apparently he never sat down apparently he was sat good. down with the, for the very first person and then they asked for a picture and apparently he never sat down after that he just stood at the desk signing and um and the good thing was i i saw people saying that they didn't just sort of go right one you know taking it and that's done apparently he was like you know they were checking they were taking at least two photos for people and i've not heard of this for a while which, i mean you don't normally get these events like that they're just you know it's just signature move on you know i mean yeah. elton john was there a uh, couple of weeks beforehand and he was talking about it on Graham Norton and he was just like he was behind a curtain and he wouldn't have photos or, or they wouldn't have photos whatever and it was just signed go yeah. you know it's totally different but because he, he said oh otherwise I'd have been there all night it was what he actually said right, Graham, right. you know but I mean apparently Capaldi stayed a lot later than he should have just making sure everyone did get a photo because oh, that's good Capaldi the man isn't he he's the man he's the man yeah some other celebs wouldn't be like that would they Oh, Kenny no. Baker through there, we'd be like, <laughs> get out of my bloody way. Uh, Go on, get out of my bloody way. For the benefit of our listeners, both me and Gary have met Kenny Baker, <laughs> uh, a.k.a. R2-D2, and both of us have not had the best of experience with him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, do you know what? I think he's like a lot of um, uh, a lot of celebrities who, who do the convention circuit, mm. where I honestly think you just have to catch him on the right day. Because, yeah, yeah, it's true. Because I know a couple of people who had been to um, the Collector Mania event when they did it in Milton Keynes, when it was a little bit smaller and he was there. Mm. I know people who have gone there and he's been totally cool. You know, he's had a laugh and a crack and not yeah. really been, any, you know, any way. But it's just a coincidence that you and I, when we've met him in the past, he's just had one of those cranky days and he just can't be, he can't be bothered, so... No. Yeah, he wasn't best pleased when I saw him. No, he was eating a sandwich when I saw him and just, yeah, put this <laughs> greasy signature across and just glared at me. I, I don't know what was going on. But, but um, yeah, it's true. We all have our off days. And, and funny enough, because um, obviously we've had a, a week, sort of week off if, in a sense, haven't we, with the interview going out and stuff. Yeah. And um, in that week, uh, I did go to unit day in, in Slough. I'm in Windsor. Um, and, uh, and I met our old friend, John Levine. Oh, yes. was, this yep. is the third time I've met him now. And he seemed to be having a slightly off day because yep. he's been so brilliant the first couple of times I've met him. And at this event, he seemed really agitated. Um, and he was still friendly and chatty and stuff. Yeah. But he was also, he sort of had a sort of, oh, I can't really explain it, like a vicious streak. Because <laughs> like um, two YouTube friends of mine had arranged to do an interview with him at lunchtime and they said I could sit in on it. Yeah. So I sat in on the interview and he was, oh, I don't know, he was just, he just seemed like something was bugging him. But he, but he's sort of, I don't know, you're always in for a good time with John because mm -hmm. as soon as we started chatting to him for the interview, you know, it's like he was straight into John Levine mode and chatting and laughing and stories. Uh, and, and then the, when the cameras were off, he was like effing and blinding. And <laughs> it's just, but, you know, I'm not saying he was bad or anything like that because he wasn't. He was, he was brilliant. He was fun. He was crazy as ever but you could just see that he just wasn't in the best of moods do you know mm -hmm. what i mean 
you know, even though he was trying really hard to, to, to be nice. Um, but yeah, he was a little bit, I wouldn't say tetchy, but mm, not, not, not the happy chap that I've met the previous occasions, I would right. say. Yeah. Whereas um, Katie Manning and Richard Franklin, who were also at the event, were, were fantastic. I mean, Katie's just lovely. She's a very huggy person, loves to hug. Um, she's being a bit saucy in the photo shoot as well, in, the, in a sort of very mild way, <laughs> you yep, know. Yep. Um, yeah, she's lovely. And Richard Franklin's a very nice man as well. So it's a good fun day, that was. Good. It was good, good to get a photo with the unit team, the, the three of them together. It was really good. Yeah, They're only human, mate. Exactly. That's what I mean. We all have our off days. Yeah. You know, it's not like we're paying them any money. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like they're making a living out of it. Come on. Uh, that's true yeah so that's what i've been up to really this, this, since we last recorded was, was that what, what what have you been doing what, what have, have you been, I up been to doing in the week off come on you've had a week off in the week off um i will been be spending any money i no i i haven't um i will be completely honest with you i've had an extremely boring week off from the podcast oh. um i've been i've been uh, uh a bit busy with the day job i know i've said that a few times but i've been a bit busy with that i've been uh i've been up north to the northeast for a few days oh, yeah. um yeah. with work and stuff um i did take uh four to doomsday with me though Ooh, and dear. i watched that when i um i watched that while i was in my uh hotel yeah so i did have some who uh stuff going on um forbidden planet was closed in uh, newcastle when i was on the way to the uh, the office while i was there um which is quite quite disappointing i was hoping they would be open at 7 a.m but <laughs> You can't have everything, can you? No, you can't, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I did walk that way on purpose. As I was coming from the station through to the office, I thought, I'll go that way. You never know. Just might, yeah. I might yeah. see a guy open the shutter and I can just roll underneath before it, it reaches the bottom and, <laughs> and I'll be in there. But uh, no. So, um, yeah, not much who going on. Um, not much anything going on, really. Just, um, yeah, making the most of uh, uh, the week off from recording and stuff. Um, but now just back fresh, ready to rock and roll. Mm. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Talking of rock and rolling, shall we land it and get into the news? Yes. We've got some cool, uh, what's been happening in the world of Doctor Who? Yes. Miss that sound. Right, first up, um, we've got a couple of fan projects that are in full swing at the moment, Ooh. and uh, they're asking for um, our help. Uh, not not you and I specifically, but um, <laughs> just other other fans basically. Um, so the first one is I. I'll be honest with you, I hadn't heard of these guys before, or you know this um, these projects and stuff. But the first one. Uh, is something called the unofficial Doctor Who book guide, and it's on its second volume now. And I had—I don't even—I didn't even—I wasn't even aware there was a volume one. Right. Um, and what they're doing—they're asking for um, people to send in um, sort of short stories, really, or or short sort of descriptions about their favourite um, uh, their favourite Doctor Who story. Yeah. Um, and. It's all uh, for charity, so all profits go towards uh, cancer research. All right. And 
you can supply um, a story, uh, sorry, a review or a description or whatever it is about your favourite um, uh, fictional Doctor Who story. Uh, it's been, and this is in book form, by the way. So they're not asking for reviews of like TV episodes or anything like that. They're asking mm. for just your um, your thoughts and stuff on books. So Doctor Who stories in book form um, that are not part of the target range. So if you're a big target fan and you've got plenty of those up on the shelf, it's not for that. This is just like any story that's been published by BBC Books or an independent publisher that you want to send in your review or your thoughts on. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so up to 200 words, and we'll put a link in the show notes, or if you just do a search um, to their Facebook page. Um, so if you just do a search for uh, the Doctor Who book guide slash unofficial. Um, and like I said, this is for charity, so any um, any uh, uh, profits that are made from this go straight to Cancer Research, which is good. Mm, sounds like a nice idea, that. It is good. Um, yeah. And maybe we could do this. Maybe you and I have read quite a few Doctor Who books. Mm. Uh, maybe we'll pop a, a subscription over. It'd be, be good if you guys could do that. And the second um, project um, is, again, they're searching for um, story proposals um, that are they're basically going to put together a season of short stories about Doctor Who. Um, and they're asking for you to put forward your idea, your story, whatever. Um, so this one's slightly longer. This one is 12,000 to 40,000 words. So, yeah, right, a bit, okay. <laughs> so a bit of a jump up. So the first one was only 200 words. I want to keep that short and sweet. This one's a bit more... It's a bit more of an essay that you have yeah. to write. So, however, though, if you've got a, if you've got a cool script idea, or if you're in the process of making a or creating a cool fan project, a story, and you want to get it out there to more people, um, this is going to be published as a free ebook, um, and it will go out to whoever whoever subscribes and gets that. So that's just called the Doctor Who Project, right. um, and. Uh, We'll put a link again to their website and stuff like that. But that looks quite good as well. So if you're you're the sort of creative person that likes to write stories or TV scripts or that kind of stuff, this is another good kind of avenue to get your work out there in front of people's eyes. So that's called the Doctor Who Project. So two really good uh, fan st- uh, fan bits and pieces there for you to get your teeth into. Yeah, and I know just from chatting to, to some of our listeners and that, that a lot of them are involved in their own little... Uh, bits of fan work and stuff so hopefully that'll appeal to them that's that's really cool yes it's cool yep. right in uh, in um other bits of news amazon prime have confirmed that they're gonna exclusively stream doctor who in the united states so i think this is good news because there's been a bit of um there's sort of been a bit of bad news isn't there with them taking it off and yeah certain sites and things so anyway it's good to have it confirmed uh, and this is going to be exclusively from prime video Amazon Prime Video in the United States, kicking off with the first, it says the first eight of the modern series from the 27th of March. Now, I think they mean, I think they mean the Capaldi series, do they? Kicking off with the first, the first eight. eight. So, I, no, I think they or mean. do they mean the. Yeah, Eccleston through oh. to series eight. Yeah, I yeah. think it's just because they said uh, with last year's series nine, husbands of River Song to follow in the autumn. Oh, I see. So yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. So basically, it sounds like it's from Eccleston onwards, which is which is good. So yes. all of it basically by the end of autumn, they'll be up to date. Yeah, and uh, that's good. That, anyone that wants to watch husbands of River Song, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that is good though because there was a massive um, 
uh, the 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 Whovians went nuts mm. at Netflix a few yeah. months ago, didn't they? Because they basically announced that they were taking Doctor Who off of Netflix, um, yeah. and everybody sort of uh, directed their anger at the wrong people, really, because it wasn't anything to do with Netflix. Netflix were more than happy to keep Doctor Who. It was the BBC, BBC Worldwide or BBC America, whoever. You know, those guys pulled the plug. Yeah. And didn't yeah. renew the contract and stuff. So um, anyway, like you say, Amazon Prime Instant Video will be the new home for Doctor Who in the US. Couple that with um, uh, Doctor Who going on to a new streaming service in Canada, Crave TV. Um, all of America and Canada are now going to be covered for Doctor Who, which is good. Good news for you because you yes. love going to Canada. <laughs> uh, in actually, in the in the UK, we still have Doctor Who on Netflix, don't we? I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Not at the minute, no. Um, no. The only thing that yeah, the only thing that does. I remember a couple. Of, it must have been a couple of years ago. They had quite a big chunk of the classic Who on Netflix. Yeah, and I don't know why they took all that off because that was great to just go through. Um, if you were just like browsing through Netflix and you're like, "Ooh, it's Doctor Who," and you yeah. could just you could just cycle through like loads of the classic episodes really quickly, so that was good. But I don't know why they took the classic stuff off. It's got Eccleston onwards, but mm. yeah, probably something to do with writers' royalties or something. Perhaps they only had them for a limited time. Yeah. Probably some really boring answer like that. <laughs> buggers, yeah, buggers, buggers. Uh, last up in the news, um, this one's good. Peter Capaldi. Uh, except the Guinness World Records title for the largest gathering of people dressed as Doctor Who characters. Fantastic. Fantastic. I love this. That's awesome, isn't it? So yep. in the most unlikely of places. So yeah. at the La Mole, uh, the La Mole, am I saying that right? La Mole? I'm sure that's right. La Mole Comic Con in Mexico City. The most un- you, would, you would expect this kind of thing to go down in the US. I would have thought US, yeah. Maybe the UK. We're not really... There, well, there are fun. Mm. Yeah, the cosplay scene is a lot, you know, there's a lot more to it in the US than there is here. Um, but yeah, so in Mexico City, the largest gathering of people dressed as Doctor Who characters in the Guinness World Records. How cool is that? It's brilliant. I love it. I love the fact Capaldi went over there to to accept it as well. Brilliant. Well, actually, I think he's over there doing a bit of promotion, isn't he? Yes. Uh, yep. As well. So, yeah, but it's really good. And I'm looking at some of the photos as well. And I'd like to see more because I'm thinking if this is the biggest. Um, collection of cosplayers of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, there should be a whole photo gallery of this, and they've on the on the news site we've got about three or four pictures. But but uh, yeah, well the ones we've got look good. Yeah. I bet it was a fun event. I bet Capaldi loved it. And uh, do you like the do you like how the the title of the show is how they say it over in in Mexico? Oh, Doctor Mysterio. Doctor Mysterio. Yes, I like. I do like that. It's pretty I think, good. Uh, yeah, yeah, if I was going to write a story for that um, book project you were just talking about, I'm, I might call it that, Doctor Mysterio. Doctor Mysterio. I think that's, I think that's kind of kind of good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did see actually because um, they did some YouTube live stream of Capaldi being interviewed, didn't they, in the week? Although I didn't see it, I saw people talking about it because I think people were really oh, yeah. hoping yeah. that they were going to he was going to announce the new companion. So I was sort of checking in on Twitter because I, I, I couldn't actually get online at the time in terms of watching it via YouTube. But um, yeah, I think it just turned out to be a bit of a sort of non-event in terms of any 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 spectacular news. It kind of reminded me of when the uh, World Tour 
broadcast their first few oh, live okay. events yep. and it was such a disaster that they pulled the plug i think after one or two didn't they yes so, yep. yeah I, from what <laughs> i heard of this one it, it kind of was similar but you know uh, yeah but i didn't get to see it but obviously you didn't see it either no i didn't no 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 well, what's it called sci-fi sci-fi is it uh yeah the channel's called yeah sci-fi yeah yeah, because I can see the big tar- clunky. They got like a big clunky TARDIS on the stage yeah. as well, which is what I kept seeing pictures of. And I was like, "What is that?" Yeah, yeah. Sci-Fi is not a bad channel, actually. It plays a lot of cheesy, cheesy B, B movie style yeah. sci-fi, but it's not bad. Yeah. So yeah, good stuff. So that's good stuff, though, for Doctor Who. It is good, really good. And that's going to wrap for news. Um, right, shall we invite our Dalek friends in? And see what tat is going around at the minute. <laughs> yeah, let's see what's uh, in the little shop. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Titan Comics. Those oh, guys we can are... never get enough Titan Comics. No, uh, those guys <laughs> are on a roll. They are. So not content with having loads of stories out for the ninth Doctor, the 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th Doctor, all those guys, uh, they're now rewinding and go back to the classic years. Mm. And what better Doctor to start off the, uh, the classic adventures than the 4th Doctor, Tom Baker. So episode 1 of the 4th Doctor Adventures um, is now out. Yeah, I must admit, I love the look of these. Because um, we were talking about the comics recently, weren't we, saying... We'd got so such a backlog that were we going to, mm-hmm. you know, stop buying them and actually read the ones we'd got? And I think we were both in that boat. But I'm I'm getting these. I think uh, I think it's great to have some Fourth Doctor comics, new Fourth Doctor comics. I love the artwork on most of them. <laughs> there's a couple of them. That yeah, a couple a of them. Dodgy. But yeah. there is some that look great. In fact, uh, I, I, I in general love the the um, Titan comic covers. Um, they've started doing a lot of sort of parodies of LP covers. I don't know if you noticed this. I've got yeah. all the Bowie covers and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and there's a Beatles one coming out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, in, yeah, generally their covers are pretty pretty decent, I think. Um, they're quite nice. And, yeah, the artwork inside is decent as well. Yes. So I'll be getting these. Yes. Uh, I've read episode one. You have? Oh, uh-huh. yes, you got a preview, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Um, and I will say that it's very good. Oh, cool. Um, if you guys want us to... D- like give you a few more details or review next week we can do that but seeing as it's literally only just landed i don't want to go into the story too much and, mm-hmm. and all that jazz but it's it's very very it's it's very good the writers have have definitely um uh changed the writing style to reflect like the classic era right okay. it's, it's got a very nice classic it's almost in the same way that um you know, the newer Doctor Who on TV is obviously very different to the classic stuff. This yeah. has got the very similar vibe to it, so these ones are very different to the newer, the comics about the newer Doctors. All oh, right, okay, um, well, that's good. So, yeah, it's really, really good. It's got, it's, it's just Sarah Jane as well, isn't it, I think? Yes. Is that right? Is yep. it the Doctor Fourth and Sarah? So, yep. you know, the classic, the classic TARDIS The, team, the classic right pairing and all that stuff, yeah. Um, but what's also cool about it is... Um, it, although what although what I've just said, you know, it, it, it they've very much catered for like the classic style of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, it it doesn't really feel like you're. It doesn't really feel like you're reading a, a classic story. 
if that makes sense. Right. It feels like you're, it feels like you've landed, and it's like the the fourth Doctor adventures have kicked off like brand new again. It's almost like Tom Baker's reprised his role, and you're back into the swing of things, and it's a new adventure and stuff. Okay, it's a bit like the big finish fourth Doctor ones. Then they sort of got that feel about it, but they also feel new. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very very good. If you if you haven't picked these up, if you haven't subscribed to the Titan Range, or if you you're thinking about. Um, giving them a read um i would i would recommend i would recommend the 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 ninth doctor and the actually uh, most of them but more so the the ninth doctor one run was really really good mm. but also the tenant and the smith ones were very good i thought the capaldi ones were good as well but i thought those two their stories and their runs were really good so if you want if you've been thinking about picking up the titan comics i would suggest getting the ninth or the tenth doctor run yeah. If you can get back issues, and then this one, the Tom Baker, very, very good. Very good. Yeah, because like I say, with the with the ninth uh, and tenth, and I think eleventh, they they do after a while do like volumes, don't they? See, so I think you can get like um, what do you call it, like a graphic novel of the first, yes, sort of few. Yep. So which uh, if you can't get the back issues, you can you can pretty much get them quite easily, and they're really nice actually because they're they're just well the same thing but all, all bundled together. So yes, yeah, I'm going to get those from now on because you and I bought so many <laughs> um, yes. individual comics. I've got like literally a giant stack of of Titan comics because it didn't help that we bought like six versions of the same cover on some of them and stuff. So I think I'll just wait to. Uh, wait for them to be released as the graphic novels or the trade paperbacks whatever yeah because the variant covers are great but they do tend to put a few of the variant covers inside those omnibus editions as well don't they so yeah. i think you're right yeah. maybe we should just buy buy them from now on but yeah these are, that's just come out as well isn't it the fourth doctor because i think they were slightly delayed but i think they've literally just come out literally just now yep <clears throat> so yeah. the usual suspects so the forbidden planets and most other comic stores <laughs> should have them that's it. Yeah. If you need some more reading material, um, the Doctor Who magazine have just released their next in the in their series of essential collections. Like they do these specials every now and again. This is number seven, apparently, of the essential Doctor Who collection, and this one's focusing on the Time Lords, and it features exclusive interviews with Terence Dix. Yay! Let's hope he was more chatty than he was at Unit Day. Uh, Stephen <laughs> Thorne. Um, He's oh yeah, normally I've got a good guy. About no, Terence is. I love Terence. Yeah. He's he's brilliant. But I forgot to say on that unit day they did a a meet and greet half an hour, which was strange because they've never done that before. And it was a bit like at school where all the boys go one side, and all the girls go the other. <laughs> all the all the celebs sat one side, and all the fans stood the other, and we were a bit afraid to talk to them. So we were kind of it was a bit yeah thing. But I hmm. did see Terence, and I thought, oh, I'll go and chat to Terence. He'll have he'll be a laugh. And he was sat there with his lager and um. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't very chatty. That's all I'm going to say. I was just all right, Terence. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, and then the, and then I kind of got wheeled off to meet somebody else, and it was the one person in the room who I didn't know who they were. It's like an old chap with a cravat, and I think he might have been a producer or something. So I was chatting to him, but I had absolute. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, the room was filled with people from Unit, and I knew all of them, but this one guy that I was kind of ushered over to meet. But anyway. I digress. So, the Essential Doctor, the Time Lords, Stephen Thorns, and then Michael Jason's uh, got a little interview in there as well. So, I do like these. I must admit, I will pick this up. I do tend to buy these Doctor Who magazine specials. Um, the retail price is nine ninety nine, so it's a little bit more than the other ones. But it's it's one hundred and sixteen pages, so you're getting you're getting 
more pages for your buck. You're getting value for that yeah. for that tenner. If you can find it though, because I know a lot of people. This is spoke. I know it's only just come out, but a lot of people are saying they can't find it, and I haven't found it yet. Okay. So um, I'll be keeping an eye out for it. Smiths normally have them, don't they? You know, you normally Smiths, get you know, yep. yeah normally. So. Um, actually, Sainsbury's normally get these in fairly quick. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, but the other ones have been quite good. I'm, I must admit, I haven't picked up any of these at all. Oh, okay. But I, I have, I, I do like the covers, and I mm. think um, wasn't there wasn't the one about the TARDIS very good? That's one of my favourite yeah. ones because I, I love, yeah, I just love the TARDIS, <laughs> and it goes into all the interiors and all the things, and you know all the different variations, and yeah, I was in heaven. I love the TARDIS issue. That's my favourite one. Talking yeah. of inside the TARDIS. Um, in the latest regular edition of the Doctor Who magazine, mm. really good write up on like the production of the TV because it's like a TV movie special, oh, yeah. isn't it? And they got yeah. really good stuff about um, what, what went into the it went, what went into the production of like that TARDIS and stuff like that. So, you know, like the cloister room and mm. and all that. So it was uh, a massive set, wasn't it? Huge. There's some really good yeah. behind the scenes photos in in this. Actually, it'll just be coming to an end. But yeah, the the latest issue of Doctor Who magazine. Yeah, beautiful set. I think it's one of one of the best TARDIS interiors. Actually, I love it. It's I would say so. And, yeah, and it does feel vast, doesn't it? It's it, a great, oh, it's huge. Yeah. yeah. Ah, the TV movie. Did you? There's a little interview of Eric Roberts in that in this month's issue there as is. well, or yep. last month's, depending when this goes out. But but yeah, yeah, he's he's quite interesting. Well, I like the fact he's still got a lot of love for that that role and, mm. and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, we gave that a seven and an eight. Did I give it an eight? You Did gave I? it an eight. I gave yeah. it a seven. I know um, I'd be the higher one because I've got a lot of love for the movie. Oh, I do. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. think um, uh, we'll do a commentary on that in the future. Yeah, I'd like to do a commentary on that one. Yeah. So, Doctor Who magazine. Number, sorry. Yeah, as part of the Doctor Who magazine, the essential Doctor Who. Number seven, the Time Lords. The Time Lords, yeah. yeah. Um Right here, last up for Merch Corner, we've got some more David Tennant audio. So, oh, yeah. So he's going to be very popular this year for audio, for Doctor Who. Mm. So, um, as well as the Big Finish adventures coming up, the the quite uh, imaginatively titled The Tenth Doctor Adventures, <laughs> um, there's also going to be um, a Tenth Doctor Adventures audio book, which is essentially just a bunch of stories that have been released already in book form uh, are just going to be read out by plenty of people so uh, i just thought actually it's got the same they've got the same title haven't they? the tenth doctor adventures isn't that what the big finisher called as well well i was under the impression that this was going to be called uh the tenth doctor tales Slightly right. different because mm. see what they did there. Yes, yeah, so if you nip over to Amazon to pre-order because this doesn't launch until August, uh, the fourth of August. Um, it's called uh, Doctor Who: The Tenth uh, Doctor Tales, Tenth uh, Doctor Audio Originals. Yeah. Um, so how much is it? It's thirty-five quid. <laughs> thirty-five quid, and it's basically um, David Tennant, Catherine Tate, Michelle Ryan. Um, Michelle Ryan, you'll know as uh, Lady What's Her Face from your oh, favourite yeah. your favourite special. Oh yes, um, and they're <laughs> reading out stories that have been released previously on book format. So Pest Control, uh, The Forever Trap, uh, The Nemonite Invasion, The Rising Night, Day of the Troll, The Last Voyage, and Dead Air. 
Dead Air. Now, I remember Dead Air, one of the... Because some of these... I don't know if all of them or some of these have been out on CD before, because I've got Pest Control, which is okay. Um, and Dead Air, I'm pretty sure, won an award for Best Audio a couple of years back. So so I don't know if all of these, but definitely some of them have been out on CD before. So this is, I think this is just bringing them all together. I think so. Which is, yep. what, which is why I scoffed a bit at the price, because I thought, well, if they're all a bit old and been out before... I thought it was going to be like a nice cheap box set bringing them all together but yeah um and just to be clear the so the the people that they've got to read uh the stories they're not in character no so it's not David Tennant as the doctor or it's not Michelle Ryan as lady uh what's name? oh D'Souza lady D'Souza mm. it's not that it's just them reading the stories yeah um so if that's your cup of tea that floats your boat uh, this August. So I think um, I will absolutely not buy it at 35 quid. If it was maybe 15 quid <laughs> or something like that, I might pick it up. But 35 quid seems a lot for what this is. Yeah, just because I'm, I'm pretty sure. Well, definitely some of it's been released before. I guess if it's if it's all if there was something new in there, you might think. Ugh. But I'm pretty sure most of this is is been out. So I, I yeah, I don't know. But yeah, but I, I would interesting to see how they present it. If it's in a nice Tardis box or something, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the cover's quite cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. is that the finished artwork? Is it? I believe so. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cover looks. It's got like a nice Russell T Davis kind of feel to it. Very much, yeah. Uh, so maybe if you're uh, into the Tenth Doctor audio stuff, or if you like hearing David Tennant uh, read like stories, he's done a ton of stories over the years. Mm. Um, if you're into that thing, then August will be your your month. That's after we've had the, um, I hope anyway, the the brilliant big finish Tenth Doctor stuff. Yeah, yeah, which I'm that's, eagerly that's awaiting. Coming. Yeah, it's coming around soon, isn't it? Because I remember that's, that that felt so far off when they announced it. Yeah, but um, that's rattling around. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna do us for news and merch. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, who do you want to be? Do you want to be enlightenment or persuasion? I'll be enlightenment, um, Gary. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to be Adric. Are you going I'm to be gonna say I'm going to be Andrick, and I'm going to say pass the sodium chloride, Gary, because <laughs> <laughs> this week we're reviewing four to Doomsday. I know we're trespassing, but I wonder, could you tell me who or what you are? I am a monarch. I am the supreme leader of the people of Abanka. He intends to replace the population of Earth with his own. Three billion people. He can do it. There is a deadly poison. The deadliest in the known universe. With this, he will conquer Earth. Gotta get off this ship. We've got to get to Earth and warn them. Of what? Who believes us? Monarch has no reason for harming us. He wants our help. Kill the girl, this time. Find the doctor. Destroy him. (laughs) (laughs) That trailer makes it sound so exciting and brilliant and amazing. There's a good reason why I, I, I chose that trailer which i found on youtube um for this clip because you, any other audio clip that i would have chosen would have put you to sleep yeah so, i don't <laughs> i only the only thing that could because that was a brilliant i loved that that, yeah. that just was brilliant i was actually chuckling and the only thing that could have possibly made that trailer any better was if they'd included the line that tegan says about a giant green galactic frog oh. <laughs> 
that, that should have been in there. But yes. um, yeah. So is well does yeah what an exciting trailer. But does the story live up to it? Um, right. Does it live up to it? Um, for to doomsday. Right. Um, plot. For those of you who haven't seen it. And I have seen it, and I, I have no idea what the plot was. Right. Do, do tell, Gary. Right, so I'll do my best here. So no, the I, plot do, I do, is, but yeah. Um, it's, they're, they're trying to get Tegan back to Heathrow Airport. Because um, I'm going to lose my job. Before she loses she her job as a trolley dolly. For, yeah. yeah. Um, so the doctor's basically getting a bunch of earache. It's like, mm. it's like a married couple, in a, in a way, because... You know, she wants the bathroom decorated or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I'll get round to it. I'll get round to it. And then she just loses it. Yeah. So <laughs> she keeps banging on about all the time. When are we going to get back to Heathrow Airport? So they're trying to do it. Um, however, as predicted, the TARDIS goes off course um, and lands inside this mysterious giant spaceship, mm-hmm. which is unusual for Doctor Who, I hear you cry. Yes. Yeah. And we get a nice, <laughs> long, long, very long extended model shot of it at the beginning, just yes. in case you didn't realise how big yeah. this spaceship is. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like a Star Destroyer at the beginning of Star Wars, um, but just... Uh, made of egg boxes. Made of egg... Yeah. Anyways, they land inside the spaceship, and this spaceship is run by three... Um, three uh, aliens who are uh, well they're called the, the lead the leader guy is called monarch and then his two sidekicks if you like uh, it one's called enlightenment one's called persuasion and what the what their kind of vibe is they've been going to earth for thousands of years and they've been capturing people of like um sort of notable uh, status within their um, sort of ethnic groups, I guess. Uh, taking them back to the spaceship, destroying their body, but downloading their thoughts and memories into these microchips and then constructing like a sort of metal android version of them to make them essentially immortal. And then what happens is they've been doing this over years and years and years and then um, uh, with the intent that these guys will go back to to Earth for the final time kill the population of Earth with the poison from frogs. And these androids then can take take the Earth, call it as their own, and these guys can rule these guys comfortably from on high. Uh, I think is is what's going on. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much it. Roughly. Yeah. Um, so, four to doomsday. And I'm oh, sorry, these, guy, these guys are called uh, uh, Urbankans. Urbankans. Bankans. Oh, okay. Urbankans, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so Monarch, he's the ruler of Urbanka. Um, and his fellow Urbankans are the ministers of enlightenment and persuasion, apparently. Mm-hmm. So that's the that's the deal. So, four to doomsday, mate. What do you got? What do we got? Um, it's blimmin' hard work. That's what it is. Because I, I really, I like a lot of the Davison era. A lot of it. Um but this is this is hard work. This story—it's so slow, and the, there is a plot there, but it's so thin. Um, and I—the the only thing I will say is I did find myself laughing a lot, but 
but I don't think I was supposed to be laughing. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, there were scenes in there. I mean, there is a fight between Adric and uh, Tegan, which literally had me nearly rolling on the floor. Yep. It was so funny. Um, <laughs> yep. and, but, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I, this, is, this is just not, not good. It, it's not the worst. I mean, it is watchable. Um, but it is, yeah, it's not great at all. Uh, it, there's a lot of issues in this story. Um, I do want to just want ask you though, that first scene in the TARDIS, mm-hmm. when they're having that little chat, and the Doctor opens the scanner and he's like, "Could be Heathrow. They've been doing a lot of work lately." Um, and I, I was thinking, there's all these silly jokes. I'm thinking, I really couldn't work out if it was meant to be funny or not, or if it was just really bad writing. Do you know what I mean? I just couldn't work it out. I was thinking, is, it, I was thinking, is this because I was finding it funny? Yeah. But I was thinking, is this meant to be funny? Is he meant to be sort of are these meant to be jokes, or is this just really badly written? Um, I just couldn't tell, and oh. I felt a bit like that for a lot of this story, to be honest. I just was just laughing at it. But um, there is a there is a great YouTube clip where Gareth Roberts and uh, Clayton Hickman have overdubbed some like canned laughter and booze and stuff over that scene and oh, if you yeah, can yeah. find have you seen it no i, I know of it though yeah You've, yeah it's so funny i really recommend any everyone just get, search for that clip and and find it um it's so funny because it, it works brilliantly with with the lines that they're saying it, yeah. it does seem like some sort of terrible comedy that that would have to have canned laughter but yeah i wasn't impressed with this one i it is years since i've watched it i was kind of Looking forward to seeing it. I was kind of hoping that you know it would be better than I remembered and and that. But but I did kind of enjoy it in a way. There's a nostalgic sort of there's there's a nostalgicness to it that I like. But it's uh, but it is one of the yeah worst Davison ones I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What about me? Um, well. With the exception of it being a bit long, I actually really like this one. You don't. I do. I don't believe you. I do. How can you possibly like this story? I actually really like it, mate. <laughs> God. It's terrible. I, do you know what it is? I think acting is awful. I, I think it's one of the I think it's one of those little guilty pleasure stories for me. No. Um where I I'm fully aware and I know that it's not like the greatest story ever written for Doctor Who. And I know that it's got its shortcomings and and its pain points and stuff like that. I, I I completely get that and I accept those, but it doesn't stop me from enjoying it. I don't know why. I think it's just it's one of those stories from the classic years where I find myself just appreciating its simplicity and appreciating its just. Because there are some things in it that are really, really good, like the sets. They're massive. The one that they keep using over and over again. Well, yeah, they're, they're they just huge. throw a table in and think, "Ah, oh, that looks different." Well, do you know what? I, I I was really impressed with like with with the sets. Well, I know they've reused them a lot, and they've they they just jig, rejig stuff around and reuse them. But I thought the sets were really good. I thought the effects with like the little floating round cameras and stuff. Yeah. I thought they were quite good for the time because normally with those type of things, like the edges around them are like really blurry and pixelated because of like the effect that they used. Yeah. But they're really clean and crisp. They look pretty good. Um, and I really like Davison in it because there are a couple of little scenes where we get to see like some really good Davison, like 
the bit where he properly tells Tegan off. Mm. You know, when like, they're back in the cell and he tells her to stay put and she just won't have it. And then he points the finger. We get stay. He almost says sit, doesn't he? Like yeah. a dog, stay. So we get like a, you know, we see him like that. We also see him uh, it, 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 from the off. I, I think because Davis and we've, with him in this story, we've got that really great, um, just nonchalant, let's just do it. We're here now. Uh, let's just go on. But he knows something isn't right. He can sense that. But he, it's, one of, it's one of those great stories where he's got, he's, he's kind of got a plan going on in the back of his mind. And even though he's, it, there's a few hiccups where um, he, he tries, you know, he, Monarch tries to kill him a couple of times and we have Adric just, you know, being a complete buffoon at times. Oh, and, I love it when Adric just blabs everything in that yeah. scene. And then well, we, I keep thinking, why is he, why would he do that? <laughs> I know. So we have Adric being like that at times. Then we have Tegan just relentlessly giving the Doctor a hard time. Got poor Nyssa trying to do her best and sort stuff out. I just think it's, um, I, I know it's not intentionally funny as well, but we have like these real funny moments about it. And I just, I, I like it. I honestly like watching it. It's not one of those ones where I'm like, right, now I've watched it, that's going to sit on the shelf for another four years, whatever, and I won't pick it up. I, I, I genuinely do quite enjoy it. I think one of the very few positive notes I've got is about the set, although it keeps just getting redressed. So I did write that I liked the sets, so I'll agree with you on that. Davison, um, yeah, I do like those moments when he's he's... I think he's channeling Hartnell a bit because this this is the fir- although it wasn't the first one to be transmitted with Peter, it's the first one he recorded, isn't it? Because they they recorded them out of order, so this was his first uh, story to be recorded as the Doctor. So he's totally finding his feet in this story, and I, I think he's perhaps channeling a bit of um, William Hartnell in in a lot of the scenes. Yes, uh, like yep. that one you mentioned, and it is great when he's telling this, sir. And, and also with Adric at the end, um, I do like that bit where he's saying to Adric, you know. Uh, He's trying to convince Adric that the frogs are evil and Adric's like, oh no, but they they didn't kill you and they could have killed you and all this. Yep. So yeah, I like it when he's when he's in full flow, if you like. But but yeah, overall, yeah, I, I, just, I just find, I mean, the first episode, I was sat there thinking absolutely nothing is happening. Like Peter's been wandering around that set. He hasn't even noticed the ball yet and he's been wandering around it for five minutes. You know, I just find, yeah, that nothing happens and it. it's far too slow for me. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah, it is a bit slow. This could have been a yeah. this could have been a nice little two parter. Yeah, which would have been good. So four parts. It does. I, I'm fully aware that it drags on. But the yeah, acting as well. I mean, even from the regulars. I mean, I, I I've got to let Peter off the hook because it's his first day on the job. You know, and I actually think he does a, a really good job considering it's. You know his first story, yeah. Um, in terms of recording, so I'll let Peter off the hook. But the regular cast seem to be—it's as if they're reading off cue cards. Apart from apart from uh, Janet Fielding, I actually think Janet Fielding is good in this yeah. because she's just really, yeah. really feisty. I know she's moaning a lot, but that's Tegan. But um, but yeah, I like her in it, and I I lo- I like Adric in it for all the wrong reasons. I just think he's he's so bad that I just find him brilliant. Uh, I just love the fact he's such a brat and, and that he oh, yeah. blabs his mouth off about everything they're doing in the TARDIS to the frog. and um, So I really like Tegan and Adric in it. I love it when they have their fight and she throws him to the floor and knocks him <laughs> out and and then tries to take off in the TARDIS. I mean, would you? Uh, it's just ridiculous. Why would she even d- do that? Um, 
yeah so there there are moments as i say it's not it's not you know it's an easy enough watch uh it's it could possibly send you to sleep because it's so slow there are some interesting ideas in it i'll give it that um but why does you know they make tegan draw this sketch of the two humans i mean they've got all this computer equipment do they not know and they've visited earth all this a few times we've we hear but they, they not but they needed to draw a sketch so they well they so haven't they been there in the, well they haven't been there in over what was it um the last time they were there what how did the doc, the doctor works it out in terms of how many like the gap between their visit so it's like 4000 years 8000 years something like that so they haven't been there for in you know thousands of years could they not or hundreds of years whatever it is on the computer well Wi-Fi, you know, Wi-Fi might be a bit iffy yeah, in space, in, in deep space. Yeah, so um, Tegan takes about ten minutes to draw this sketch, which and it's a very good first, sketch. It's a she's a hell of a yeah, she's a hell of an artist. <laughs> um, she's Mr. Trick there, I think. Cause, <laughs> um, so she draws this sketch, and then suddenly these two green frogs come down the stairs, and they've sort of morphed into them, haven't they? They've taken on yes the the, the likeness of the um, of the sketches, but. Um, they're not. Are they frogs? They're, they're, they're giant. Well, Tegan frogs. calls them frogs, but I don't know. They're not really, are they? But they they look like giant green frogs. Yeah, the makeup things. isn't brilliant. For the it's not. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's none of it's like flaking off and and all that jazz. But it's okay. It's okay. We have to remember, right, that this was this was the first episode um, to be produced for for Davison. So I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that that's like a you know a, a out of jail free card or anything like that but there there would have been that sort of bedding in period where people are still where people are like are really finding their feet with the new doctor and and all that stuff so mm. there are some some little things in here that you can almost forgive as a little bit so I mean, initially, I, I was I was going to talk about the chemistry between the Doctor and and the companions, um, but even from the off, I think there's there's a really good chemistry between, especially between him and Tegan. They have this mm. very like, sort of buckheads, you know. She wants to do one thing, and he's trying to remain calm for a lot of the time. He's doing his best, you know. She's really testing his patience until he loses it with her. Yeah. But there's that. Like I said, it's almost like an old married couple kind of thing where he just kind of dismisses her moans off as like, oh, yeah, her indoors, she's just moaning. Um, and then him and Adric have this. Ad Adric seems to have no problem at all in accepting the fact that the Doctor's now regenerated, but he's still the same, you know, the same, the same man almost. He talks about him as if he's the same, doesn't he? He's yeah. like, oh, the Doctor delights in trouble or something like that. Yeah, yeah. so that that's quite... There's no... There's no reset up there. You don't have to re-establish a relationship between the Doctor and Adric. Adric just seems happy to just continue as if the Doctor's the same guy, really. Um, and then with Nyssa, that was... I mean, she was very similar to Adric. She was. She just got on with it. You know, she just... You know, there was, you know with, with Nyssa, there wasn't really much of a... Again, we didn't really have to have a big scene or a number of scenes where the Doctor and Nyssa are you know, getting to know each other. It, it just felt like it was just adventures from old. They all just seemed to get on with it, with the exception of Tegan, who was just kicking off at every opportunity. Yeah. 
I, I must admit, I do, I do like this TARDIS team. I know that they, a lot of people feel it was overcrowded, and obviously it's difficult to give everyone something to do when you've got that many people. Yeah. But I've always liked this TARDIS team, and because um, Nissa faints at the end. Yes. <laughs> and apparently, it's because she was, she was supposed to be written out. She was the one that was going to go, um, and Peter Davison apparently said, you know. Sort of stood her corner and said, "No, no, no. She you don't don't want to get rid of that character." Yeah. So ultimately, they got rid of Adric. <laughs> um, so I don't quite know how that played out, but but yeah, that's why she faints at the end, so that she's not in the next story very much because that one had already been written. Because I did think that I was thinking, well, "What's happened there? What?" That's how it ends, isn't it? She collapses on the floor, and I was cue the credits. I was thinking, "What? I don't. What's going on?" Yeah, that was going to be it, wasn't it? They were going to just write her out. She was going to be written out at that point. Yeah, as yeah. if she like collapsed and and died or something. But um, so so that so that was Peter Davison. Then he he insisted that she he her character yeah I think it, when he was talking through his doctor with the producer John Nathan Turner, um, he felt that yeah that she was the character that should stay and worked better with his doctor. So I don't know if it was down to Davison that they got you know that Adric went, but it's probably contributed to it um he probably felt that if any of the characters was going to go he was the best one to go right um but yeah i like this i do like the stardust team i think this is the weakest one in this episode um in terms of everything actually in terms of her acting is rubbish in this um she doesn't get anything to do particularly mm-hmm. she gets put in that funny machine at the end <laughs> um but yeah she's she's not very good in this um Whereas I think Tegan is, is uh, Janet Fielding's giving quite a good performance. I like her feistiness. She works well with... She's great in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the same for Adric. I know people hate him, but I think he's funny in it. I love all the the friction between him and the Doctor. You know, all the, you know, the arguments and all that. I think I think it's funny. So I like him in it. Um, so, yeah, I do like the TARDIS team. I do. They are, they are pretty good. Um, and just to touch on, on Tegan... She does have a couple of really good scenes. Mm. The the opening scene where she's in the TARDIS and she realises that they're not, unfortunately, at Heathrow Airport. <laughs> she does make it very clear yeah. to the Doctor that she's not happy. And she's given a good performance there. But the other good performance is when she has that little scuffle with Adric. Oh, so funny. You know, when she kind of shoves she's, him out the way and he knocks him out. him on the floor. <laughs> Bang, knocks him unconscious on the floor and just leaves him. He's, he's such a useless. I mean, oh. There's there's that other scene, wasn't there? In um, uh, not in this story, but the visitation. <laughs> when he gets into that fight in the visitation, you know, out in the woods, when he kicks the robot. Yeah, yeah. He's just a useless. He's he's just yeah. a he's just a typical little boffin. He's, I like him. He's I most think... useful behind a table or a desk or something. <laughs> no, I love it. I think I just love it. He's just so he's so bad. He's brilliant. I love Adric. But it was the way the way that that scene was done. I, I like you. I burst out laughing. Oh, I was, I was absolutely almost crying. I thought it was hilarious because it's it's not like he made a big thing of it either. You know, as as an actor, you might want to put a bit more of a emphasis on the fact that you've just you know smashed your head on the corner of a metal um little stool thing little bench but the way he just falls he just falls face <laughs> face first it doesn't even clunk his head you know he's nowhere near it so he goes down and then that's it he's just like a 
like a sleeping bag. He's just there. I think he's quite a delicate actor, is our <laughs> Matthew Waterhouse. Because if you watch the scene in uh, Earthshot when he's about to crash into the planet, you, um, you you watch him pressing those buttons. You know, he's as far away as those because he knows that there's going to be little sparks going off. Oh yeah, yeah, he's as far away from that that set of numbers as he can be. Yeah, so he's a very delicate <laughs> actor, Matthew. Um, so he when is, it comes yes. to falls, uh, you know he does all these stunts himself. You got to remember that. Uh, so, <laughs> so there's no there's no stunt Adric in this. Um, <laughs> there's no double to to shield him from the. No, there the metal is bench. only one, and there can only be one. But um, yeah, but they're, I, they're, they're a great scene. While I remember, have we have we reviewed Earthshock. Not yet. Okay, no, that's I'm coming. Then we say, "I can't wait for that." Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the TARDIS team. Um, yes, I I think they're a, a good bunch, and, and I know they do get a lot of complaints from people saying that there's too many in the TARDIS mm. at this point, and so on. And maybe that's um, maybe that's why. Because it's interesting actually, because the way that they were going to write Nissa out, which is a little bit, um, a little bit, you you just wouldn't have it these days in modern Doctor Who. You know, for a companion to be written out that way just so quickly, if that was going to be the way she went, where she just collapsed and that was it, you'd never have that in, you know, in Doctor Who these days. You'd have like a really big, you'd have like half a series, you know, leading up to like a companion's departure. Yeah, and then it would be, yeah, it'd be like a massive emotional event and all that stuff. So, um, but it's, it's interesting that they didn't, um, that they'd already gone ahead and filmed a load of stuff or they'd at least written, you know, the next few episodes. So she wasn't in it very much. Yeah, I was going to um, say, just, just to be clear, um, I don't. her collapsing wouldn't have been her exit. I think that was put in to keep her in, if that makes sense. Because I think she would have been written out, either at the end of this one or the start of the next one. But because they'd already written the script for Kinder, which is, is it Kinder that's next? It is, yeah. And she, she obviously wasn't in it. They yep. thought, well, we'll get her to collapse. And then, in the, and then in the next story, instead of having to rewrite it, we'll just say she's in the TARDIS not very well. Yeah. yeah. So they kind of put it in as a last minute sort of thing, of, I think. So, yeah, she wouldn't. I don't think that would have been her exit. She wouldn't have just collapsed on the floor because <laughs> that would be terrible. That would be a terrible exit. Well, that, be, yeah, sure. It's worse than Dido's, wouldn't it? Where's Dido? There oh, is. she's having a cup of tea she's not going to bother coming out here anymore oh oh poor no. william hartnell oh. she just pied him off yeah he didn't even get a, a goodbye she didn't even come out on the doorstep and wave um, <laughs> That's right. no. but there is um uh, I, I was looking on wiki uh, wikipedia on this earlier and apparently there's um you know the the big finish story primeval primeval yeah they provide yeah. an explanation to nissa's collapse Oh, at okay. the end of this story, so mm-hmm. it's touted eventually as she was just exhausted, you know, and needed a rest wow. up. That's how they wrote her character for the next few stories. She was just resting, putting her feet up in the TARDIS. Um, but in this story from Big Finish, I don't know if any of our listeners have heard that one. Just give us a shout to uh, to let us know what the deal is with that. But apparently, they go into a bit more of a, an explanation as to why she collapsed. Okay, I yeah, so, I must admit, I haven't. Uh heard it so i don't know what that is i'd be intrigued by that actually mm, that's that interesting could be interesting to see what what the deal was there so uh yeah if you guys if you've listened to primeval uh give us a shout so what's, uh, what's actually going on with her in that machine what's supposed to be happening to her well she's meant to be um being transferred into robo into robot, robot form yeah so that helmet thing that they put on her she, that's like downloading all of her thoughts and memories and whatnot 
Because she's in there for quite a while. Hmm. I'd expect at least, you know, at least one microchip to be have been implanted in all that time. <laughs> like when that guy takes out his out of his chest, you know. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. I'd have thought she'd have got at least a halfway there. Yeah, well. That bit as well, though. <laughs> I mean, what is going on with that effect when he lifts up his face? And, oh, dude, know. it's it, it, 1982 with no budget. <laughs> Come on. All right. Yeah. I do like the bit with the chest, though, even though he's just stood in in front of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do like that. Yeah, I, I always love it. In, um, I absolutely love it when you get um, a human taking off their face to reveal circuit boards. And I mean that seriously. I'm not even like, being, <laughs> I'm not even being sarcastic now. And I just always will love that. You know, that is so sort of um, classic sci-fi in you know, in the eighties to me, you yeah. know, a bit like the Android invasion when their face falls off and it's just two <laughs> eyes on sticks. That will always, I will always love that no matter how good or bad it's done. I will always love it. Yeah. Um, but that effect is quite, it's, it's awful. Let's not beat you around the bush. It is awful. And uh, listeners out there who haven't seen it, the guy's like facing straight into the camera and he pretends to lift up his face and it's just like a, a superimposed, uh, Android inside an Android's head, um, and it, it, it is awful. They've sort of mixed two shots, haven't they? I'm assuming yeah. they had like a dummy head with the, yeah, you know, with the lift up face with the circuits inside, and then he's obviously stood really still so they can mix the two pictures together. Yeah. So when they lift up the face, his face kind of does sort of moves. It does fade up it, if you like. It they fades have, up. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so like it's, it, it's interesting. It it is a, a funny one, and we have um, there's a couple of moments like that, like the scene towards the end where the Doctor's out in space and and those things. It's not too badly done, to be honest with you. Like, it, I actually um, do really like that scene. Yeah, so when he's the way that they have him, kind of like swimming, you know, trying to you know get himself through space and stuff. But, you know, that was done pretty well. Mm. That that could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I do. I like that. Um, the the fight that's going on inside, not so good. Not oh, well. It's Adric, isn't Adric, it? Again, Adric's He's fight useless. Yeah. is shockingly bad. Yeah. Um. But the yeah. But I like what's going on outside the spaceship with Peter and the TARDIS in the background and yeah. and all that. Yeah. And what a what a genius way to propel him towards the TARDIS. He gets the cricket ball out, lobs it against the side of the spaceship. And the momentum of the cricket ball coming back towards him as he catches it propels him to what that's just brilliant. You gotta even, love that bit. Even though it's ridiculous, I absolutely love it. It's yeah, the best yeah. bit in the episode. Yeah. It is ridiculous and it's awful, but it's just it's great at the same it's time. It's great. Yeah. yeah. It's absolutely great. You can forgive everything. It's it's just a great scene. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um Okay. Uh, we'll come on to Davison in just a minute. Um but let's talk about the the baddies. Yeah. Um, the Urbankans, the Urbankans, the Ur- the Urbankans. Yes, the Urbankans. Uh, those guys. What did you think to um, to the two the two henchmen or henchwoman and henchman, uh, persuasion and enlightenment? Fairly um, mediocre to me. Fairly just me. Yeah, they don't. They're not exactly giving much in terms of performance. I, I think it's probably intentional. I think they're trying to be a bit robotic. Are they? I don't know, but. Yeah, not great, to be honest. No. Yeah. I think that um there was a there was a scene where um persuasion could have had a bit more of a 
a bit more of a performance. It's where he gets sent off to kill the Doctor um, and um, sort of dismantle uh, the old guy. You know, the, the older guy that's been helping him a lot. Oh, yeah, um, Bygone. Bygone, yeah, Philip Locke. Um, he just kind of strolls in, clicks his fingers, he's like, dismantle that or <laughs> de-circuit that, whatever he calls it, um, and kill it. You know, he, he is. they are playing it quite straight and, like you say, almost robotic in a way. Mm. So he could have shone a bit more because there's a few scenes where he's out and about where Monica sent him off to, you know, watch over the Doctor or go and essentially kill him and stuff like that. He could have had a bit more of a tasty role there. He could have put a bit more into it, but... Um, they could have been more threatening. Yes. I think the biggest thing that's missing from this episode is threat. Yes. Um, because they, they seem really scared. And again, this is sort of unintentionally made me laugh. They're, they're terrified throughout the whole episode, but I'm never never quite sure what of. You know, like there are scenes where, the, the you know, Tegan's freaking out. We've got to get out of here. We've got to get out. And I'm thinking, nothing's happened. No one's threatened you. What are you scared of? It's it, That's the thing. It needed it needed more threat in it. And those two guys could have could have brought a bit more threat, I think. Well, especially if you listen to Adric. If you listen to Adric, everything's hunky-dory. Yeah. He's Idiot. got no problem. He's, him and, him and uh, Monarch are, are BFFs, the best mates. He gets suckered in, doesn't he? Yeah. It's like he had like somebody knocked on the door to sell him like a thousand marigold, you know, for a hundred quid, and he's like, "Yeah, sounds great." Yeah. <laughs> so he gets suckered in, and the, 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 I love how the doctor just just gives it to him straight as well. He's like, "You gullible fool!" Scene. Like you know, yeah. um, in or out, yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's cool. So, why, why do they keep referring to them as the children? That bugged me. Why in this? Why are the children are let the children go? They're not children. They're I don't adults. know. I think maybe Even they the just, doctor says it. Yeah, I think maybe uh, Monarch looks at them as like a family unit. You've got the doctor, who's like, you know, clearly the the wise, very educated guy, mm. and Adric does look very young still. Remember, um, he does look like Adric, a yeah. teenager, yeah. and. Tegan, not so much. She does it like a grown woman, but Nissa, she does look fairly young as well. Not as young as Adric, but she does look fairly young yeah. in this still. I wouldn't, yeah, it's just the way they say it. it just doesn't yeah. fit right somehow. So what about Monarch then? Stratford the, Johns. The poshest alien frog yeah. in the galaxy. Um, yeah, I actually don't mind him. I actually think he's he's all right. He's pretty funny. <laughs> he's, yeah. Even when he's yeah. Even when he's trying to be threatening and he's trying to concoct a plan to get rid of the doctor and he's even when he gets a little bit angry he's still funny because he's so british and yeah, so british even peter's so british at times in yeah this. yeah no he's he's fine though he does he does he works perfectly well i think it's very much of that era um yeah, yeah i have no problem with monarch to be honest with okay. you. he looks okay i like his big harry hill collar yeah. um I, I yeah i like him is there's a slight humor to his character as well yes. so yeah i don't have any problem with monarch I'm, yeah the yeah. the way this character was written was just he's completely not worried well for no. most of the time anyway he's just not worried about the potential threat that the doctor could pose on his on his plan he's very chilled um completely comfortable in what you know what's going to happen and he just doesn't see it's not until right at the end where he gets up out of his seat and actually goes out and tries to to confront the doctor, you can the see. One, he, yeah, he gets a bit rattled, but the one time he actually leaves that comfy seat, and what happens? 
<laughs> gets poison thrown at him. <laughs> gets poised like a whole canister, like he, literally. He just, if he'd have just sat and watched the rest of the TV, he would have been fine. But he had to get up. I, yeah. I thought that scene was, again, unintentionally really funny because the Doctor could have quite easily just, you know, constructed, you know, got one of those androids to make like a little dart or something like that. But he just... He just lobs it Takes that glass canister and throws it right in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, lo- I loved it. And, and the thing is, what... That's like... Yeah, it's quite... Not savage, but it's, it should be savage because it's like, blimmin' heck, the Doctor's just thrown poison at this poor old frog, yep. even if he's evil. But it's done in such a way that it's not, it's not savage. It's hilarious. It is funny. What does he Come cover on. up, though? We spoke, is there supposed to... What, he sort of covers him up with his space helmet at the end of it what's supposed to be under there frog or well he, that particular poison <laughs> turns them into like a thousandth of their size yeah. it doesn't kill them it just makes so them tiny a little monarch under that? yeah it's meant to be like a little monarch because you can see the helmet like wobbling away oh. after he puts the, the space helmet on you can see it like wobbling it's a bit like um <laughs> yeah it's a little bit like that classic thing where you know in films where they put something on someone who's been shrunk down and then it wobbles around yeah it's that kind of effect i think they're going for but it is funny can, can we talk about the space helmets for a minute what's going on there yeah so there's two versions isn't there mm-hmm. there's um the one there's the one at the beginning where the doctor orders them all to wear their space helmets and they're not i find it bizarre because they're not linked to any kind of oxygen tank or anything like that it's just like a it, it's like a splat. It's like a a plastic crash helmet that's been sawn in half, and it's got like some vacuum cleaner hose mm, around the front, and it's got like a little plastic bit. It doesn't. I can't see how it's doing anything because the front of it's completely exposed. Yeah. So it the yeah. so its purpose is completely. You know, it's not going to work right from the off anyway. Because if there's no atmosphere, you need obviously you need something contained to keep your oxygen inside something. This is just like, you might as well just wear a baseball cap. Yeah. I just kept thinking as well, this being <laughs> Peter's first story, I just kept thinking, what did he think when he saw, did he think what <laughs> oh, on God. earth have I got myself into? He's gone from all creatures great and small to, to this. Like, did, what did he think? But yeah, I mean, they, the, the actual design of them probably looked really good on the sketch pad, but um, not sure they were realised. Yeah, I mean... Well. Probably, yeah, like the production notes when they were going through, like, you know, the prop guys. And they were like, yeah, we need like a cool, we need a very cool looking space helmet. We need something that's going to look great. Um, and they probably went back with this full on NASA style helmet and they were like, no, nah, we can't see their faces. But if they don't have it on, how can they breathe? Don't worry about that. This is Doctor yeah. Who. We don't need that, to worry about it. That can be explained in a story that, you know, 10 years from now we'll we'll explain all that stuff we'll leave that to big finish we'll leave that to big finish yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah the space helmets they do look a bit weird and then we have the secondary one that Adric wears you know he's got like a full on space suit to go outside in um, so he's got a bit more of a full on proper space helmet and suit and stuff but you, you know we were ridiculous. asking Andrew Cartmell if he ever sort of took any props home with him yes I can't help but feel that Matthew Warhouse might have still got that suit at home. <laughs> just in his wardrobe, just takes it out now and again. Just thinks, oh, yes. <sighs> Those were the days. The good old days. That space suit. Yep. Yeah. So, prop wise, again, as expected with some classic who, it's not the best. Yeah. But it's quite charming. 
Yeah, it's charming. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say it does. Is it's still yeah? You still look at it and it's got that um, sort of cult classic look yeah. about it, and you think, oh, you, you know, you got to love it. Really, it's completely unrealistic and non-functional, but it mm. looks it looks cool. What's what's the flesh time all about? They keep going on about the flesh time. The what's that? Flesh time. I th- I think that's when. Sounds so weird. I, I think what they're referring to is like life before the robots. Flesh time, right? Okay. Because um, the the uh, uh, Beagon is it Bygon or Beagon? Bygon. Bygon. Yeah. He's got one of those special circuits that have got the three microchips on it, so that enables him to think pretty freely and all that stuff. But all the other robots have only got the one, so they're just like mindless. Yeah, robots to get you know. So I think they're referring to before that time, where humans were flesh and blood and could have like free thought and free will and all that stuff. What What is it that um, Bygone shouts uh, in episode four? (laughs) I tried to write it down. Is it Bazoos? It's like Bazoos. Uh, uh, And I was thinking, what the what? I can't remember. It's something like that. He's like, it's supposed to be sort of, you know, exclaiming shock and amazement at something, isn't he? But instead of going, wow, he says, Bazoos, which is something I'm going to start using from now on. I well, think. yeah, that's got, that's in the vocabulary. Very catchy, yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, he's from a different time there, isn't he? Isn't oh, he from yes. like ancient Greece or something like that? That's it, yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he's, yeah. All these things can be explained, buddy. You just have to look a bit deeper. Just got to look a bit deeper, yeah. You have to appreciate the writing a bit more. Is yeah, try and keep your eyes open. And <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. If you weren't asleep, you'd get it. <laughs> maybe, maybe this is one that I shouldn't have watched all in one go. Because um, sometimes I just watch two, and then the following I watch two. But uh, due to time restraints this week, I had to watch it all in one one go. But maybe it would have benefited if I'd have had a rest. And I'm sure a lot of people are like that. Mm. But for me, I I enjoyed watching all four. Like I said, I I liked it. Mm. Um, lastly, before we get on to um, reviews and stuff, uh, just wanted to see what you thought about Davison's performance, mm. considering this was his first. So although Castrovalva came out, you know, this was the first one in front of the camera for him, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that, that scene where he comes out of the TARDIS with, for, for the first time, you know, when he's looking around the set and the ball was watching him for 10 minutes. Yeah. That was the first thing he ever filmed. The yeah. Fifth Doctor, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So what do you reckon to his performance then as the Doctor, seeing as this is the first, his first kind of uh, well, bunch of scenes? Yeah, he's, he's still good. He's, he's clearly finding his feet naturally. Um, but he's still good in it. I mean, he's nothing like the Doctor we get by, you know, by the end of his run, Case of Antony. But that's that's to be expected. Yeah. Um, no, I, I still think Peter's really good in it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. It's by far, obviously, his best <laughs> performance. But like you said, I, I can't I can't judge him because it's his first go. I mean, I, I can't judge Sylvester McCoy on Time of the Rani. You know what I mean? Everyone's got to start somewhere, and yeah. I think he does a really good job actually, considering it's his first episode to be recorded um like you said the scenes with tegan and that i absolutely love he does seem to be firing on all cylinders but yeah yeah his character wise he does seem a bit all over the place i think i actually think he's good i think he's slightly hindered by the fact that they do try and give him some in the first couple of episodes they try and give him some humorous lines don't they when oh, he's, right, he's yeah. like he's, he's, yeah. he's quite flippant yeah. uh, when he meets the aliens whatever they're called the, the giant frogs do you know what i mean they they do give him some dialogue um 
which doesn't really work. But that's not really Davidson's fault. That's just the fact that they probably weren't quite sure how to write the new Doctor uh, to begin with. But yeah, no, I think he's I think he's still good in it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I pretty much agree, mate. He's um, I, I think he finds his feet quite early mm. with with the, because some doc some actors who play the Doctor they're um they're their version if you like of the doctor can change a little bit over time and we definitely saw that with matt smith mm. you know his doctor at the end of his run it was a little bit different to how he started out um and uh, especially mccoy you know yeah. with that you know yeah. with the direction that they took that whole you much know, darker the much darker and stuff like that um but i think davison is fairly consistent throughout Although we, although by the time we get to Caves of Androzani and stuff, it, he is a very, he has grown within the role absolutely. Um, but I think him as the Doctor is fairly consistent from start to finish with him. I would say um, he's certainly better towards the end of this episode. I think yeah, it's mainly just the beginning when yeah. it, when there's this sort of, he's sort of um, sort of clowning around a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, uh, maybe that's yeah, like you say, maybe they were just trying to write in some some little jokey bits but yeah i i mean i'm especially for his his, his entire tenure as the doctor as well mm. i find him to be fairly consistent from start to finish and I, I do like the fact he uses i think this again was davidson's idea i like the fact he uses everyday objects to try and solve yeah. uh, problems like the thing with the cricket ball i think all of this was you know like i said when he was trying to sort of map out his doctor with the producer I think Peter suggested all that sort of stuff. He's like, I want to use everyday things, you know, to, yeah. to try and solve. So I like that about his doctor as well. Because mm. we, we get to see the Sonic, although it's mainly used to spin that ball thing around, isn't it? So it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't get overused. And he's got this funny device for blocking sound as well, which I don't think we see again. I don't think so. No, no, no. I don't know what that was. But but yeah. He's good though. I like Davis and he's, I really do like him as, you know, some of the... He's up there with my top three of the classic Doctors. Yeah, I, I do. I love Davidson as well, yeah. I must admit. Yeah, really do like his doctor. Rightio scores. Unless there's anything else you want to mention you got in your notes. Well, we can't we can't forget uh, Bert Kwok. Oh, of course. <laughs> ah, Kato. Uh. <laughs> um, I know he's, he's, he's hardly in it, is he? He's, Unfortunately, is he? no, because he's good. He is good. Yeah. And he's, yeah. So he's he... a classic, isn't he? Classic yeah. actor. Of, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and he plays the guy that's in charge of, like, turning people into robots, isn't he? Yeah, I was going to say we don't get to see much of him. He's kind of wasted in the role because yeah. he's he's hardly in it. But um, but it's nice to have him in there. It does add a little extra because when he pops up on screen, you're like, ah, it's Bert Quok, you know. Um, so yeah, doesn't get much to do, but nice to have him in it. I think. Yeah, good good mention there, mate. Um, and I also forgot I normally do at the very beginning of our reviews, like when this was out and everything. So this was the. Um, uh, first one out the 18th of January 1982 and it was a four-parter I was a wee two years old so I wouldn't I wouldn't have obviously seen it you know let alone remember it so um so yeah 1982 uh, 82 um, yep. I do remember it which is sad how old would I have been don't know how I could remember it because I would have been six something like that you probably but, um, would have done it if, it, if you were around well six. I, I tell you what it is i remember the bit with the where they're going to chop davison's head off all oh, right because yeah. um for some reason when they when they do that again in the visitation 
I don't know. I remember thinking it was really cool that they were doing it. I don't know why, but I just remember <laughs> as a kid liking that. Like I was like, oh, they did that last week, and oh, they're doing it again, and oh my god, you know how they're going to get out of it and all that. So I kind of remember that, yeah. but that's about yeah. all I remember of it. Yeah. Oh, okay, uh, it was written by Terence Dudley and directed by John Black. I have to say the direction was was rubbish. I think it's one of the biggest problems with it. It's so flatly directed. Um, Yeah, it is very flat and boring. Yeah. In terms of direction. Um, The actual writing by Terence Dudley is okay. But, yeah, I think think the direction has a lot to answer for, actually. I think it could have been tightened up quite a bit and probably would have been a lot better for it. Because Terence Dudley wrote The Black Orchid, didn't he? Yes. Which I really like. And I I know that's a story Peter Davison doesn't like. And, um, I wasn't I, a fan of it. No, he's not a fan because Terence Dudley tended not to bring too much science fiction into his scripts. I think uh, it's what Peter Davison didn't like, and I, I think Peter Davison feels the same about this story. I really wish I'd had more time so I could have watched it with the DVD commentary because I know Peter's quite honest <laughs> on his DVD commentaries, and I really wanted to hear what he had to say about this story being his first one yep. that he recorded. So yeah. Terence Dudley. I don't think Peter was much of a fan. Hmm. What did you think? I think it's your turn to go first. Score-wise, um, I'm <laughs> going to go four out of ten. A four? Four. Okie dokie. Yeah. I find it quite hard work. It's watchable, but it's not one I'll be pulling off the shelf again okay. anytime soon. Although I will be watching it with the commentary, though, just to hear Peter's views on it. I thought you'd go lower than that, mate. I'm, I'm going to give it a five. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go higher. No, I'm going to get well. Got to go higher, higher, lower, lower, Hello. higher. Oh, I've gone into Bruce. Um, <laughs> gone into Bruce Forslow. Um I'll give it a five, and I'll be honest with you. Most of that five um, is um, uh, the Doctor and Tegan, and some of the, uh, well, most of the performances really. And I like the sets, mm. um, but you know, I can't go too high, obviously, because there are much better. Well, there are, there are better Doctor Who stories that deserve a higher score, but don't go up to like the ten, nine and ten region. So I can't go too high because that would then just dilute, you know, how good know. some of the other ones are. Mm. Um, and, I, and I can't go any lower because even the bits because I found myself laughing quite a lot yeah. through this, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm not, I'm not slagging it off. I did genuinely, as I said, it's a perfectly easy watch. It's mm-hmm. by, there are worse. You know, I mean, I would watch this over um, the Husbands of River Song yeah. any day. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not bad, but it's just not great, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. What did you guys think? Uh, on Twitter, thank you very much um, for sending in a couple of tweets this morning. Um, <laughs> Peter Adamson uh, at Pedro the Whovian says, just one word, dreadful. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, complete uh, menagerie. DW Menagerie says, uh, TV's Peter Davison's hair length causes all kinds of continuity issues. Uh, is less of a problem for him now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know the feeling. And the Doctor Who show at the DW show says, uh, not great, but I do find that um, that episode slightly underrated. Uh, Davo in good form uh, from start, uh, given it's his first recorded story. Hmm. Um, and he uh, he or she, I'm not sure if it's a, a, a guy or a lady, I'm very sorry, the Doctor Who show says, uh, Davo's my Doctor, uh, and I have a gazillion opinions on all his stories. Uh, over on Facebook, um, uh, Loopy Lou says, uh, 
Uh, she enjoyed reliving one of the earliest Who memories whilst her hubby was bored through the entire thing. Uh, not the most exciting episode, uh, so she'll give it a 5 out of 10. Lewis Palmer says, Season 19 is probably my biggest guilty pleasure. Uh, for some reason, I really like or love every story, with the exception of Time Flight and this. It's all right, but it's quite dull. There are some interesting ideas at play here, uh, and the shot where the Doctor catches the cricket ball in space is pretty awesome. Um, but it's hard for me to get enthusiastic about this, as it's quite forgettable, so 6 out of 10. Uh, Finn Walsh says, This was a decent story, not much to say about this one. The cast was okay, and the story was okay, and, and I'll be generous, seeing as I like Peter's era, and give it a 7 out of 10. 7, wow, that is generous. Jeff Waddle. Oh. Uh, this was about the time I gave up on Who, and only caught up <laughs> with the st- <laughs> and only caught up with the stories I'd missed much later on. Uh, needn't have bothered with this, um, <laughs> like a bad school play. Poor story, no threat, poor performances. What the hell were they thinking? Uh, Sammy Satine, uh, she says interesting names for three uh, green stone-faced aliens. Uh, Monarch turns out to be not so nice. Luckily, the Doctor manages to save the day. Um, I don't mind Adric, though I can see with more exposure he might get a bit more annoying. Nissa, the poor thing, nearly gets herself killed, but she's so sweet. And I really don't understand how the Doctor puts up with Tegan. Uh, all she does is whinge about wants to get back to Heathrow. Yes. Um, uh, not. Uh, she says, not all Ozzies are like Tegan. And I've been hoping for quite some time that if they ever get to do an Aussie character in Doctor Who, they'll just write them better than this one. Um, I think we do appreciate that not all you Aussies are like Tegan. (laughs) Uh, No offence to Janet, she does a great job. Uh, At least the accent is an OTT. Um, And I'm assuming the Aboriginal characters in this are okay with the Aboriginals. Uh, She gives it a five. five. And lastly, Ben Smith says, dull as dishwater. Uh, I can't really remember what happens in it because every time I watch it, I fall asleep. <laughs> so there we go. Um, anything on the Geek's handbag? Not a sausage. No, nothing at all. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, we didn't have any. Um, we didn't have any audio clips in either. No. So that's uh, indicative of uh, the might There's, of this story. Yeah, their silence speaks volumes. It does indeed. So um, uh, yeah. So fall to doomsday. Um, I I I I actually quite like it. Um, I appreciate its flaws and all that jazz, but uh, so a, a five from me and a four from you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, next week, um, something completely different. What are we going to do next week, buddy? So yes, next week we're doing the Tenth Doctor story, Midnight, and I am looking forward to that one. Yay, Midnight! When's the last mm. time we did Tenant? Gosh, I can't remember now. A little while I've ago. Got- Mm. But Midnight's um, Midnight's an interesting one. Uh, when I say I'm looking forward to it, don't assume that I love it or hate it because, yeah, I've got an interesting little story about that one. So I am looking forward to reviewing it. Mm, me too. Will be a good one. And that will be episode 30... Th- uh, I was going to say 33 then. <laughs> Whoa, we have gone timey-wimey. That's episode 83. Done. <laughs> Thank you very much for staying awake. 
as we review Fall to Doomsday. I know it's, um, well, we know it's a very uh, often uh, not 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 looked upon favourably uh, as one of the classic episodes from Davison era. But I'm glad you like it because it's um, it's always interesting when you know you think a story is dreadful and then you meet someone who loves it or likes it, it makes it more interesting. Yeah. Rather than just both slaying it to the ground. <laughs> yeah, because we have done that in the past. One thing I forgot to ask you is, what do you think the title means for To Doomsday? Is it Four Days to Doomsday? It four, is, yes. Four, yeah. Yeah, because I think at some point in one of the episodes, one of them says it will they'll reach Earth within the next four days. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. So I think that's it. In four days' time, Earth, well, the human race goes bye-bye. Right. So cool. four to Doomsday. It would have been a bit weird to call it Four Days to Doomsday. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have quite have the same ring. Yeah. yeah. So thank you very much uh, for sending in tweets and Facebook uh, posts. Um, we're hoping that next week we're doing an episode that's a bit more um, up everybody's street um, and you'll be able to send in some more posts and some audio stuff, so we look forward to that. So next week, make Midnight. Midnight, yep. Uh, it be an interesting review because I th- I, it, it's definitely an, not one of your sort of standard run-of-the-mill Doctor Who episodes, is it? No, not at all. So it'll be an interesting one to talk through. Uh, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our past episodes on there, and you can also link off to Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram, and sign up to the newsletter, um, which I promise is coming very, very soon. Um, also check out Adam's channel, The Geek's Handbag. Just do a search for that on YouTube and Facebook. Um, your recent video, that uh, was it day one of your vlog, your trip to Cardiff was really good. Yeah, lots of stairs. You see how, how, how out of shape I am. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> it killed me walking up that castle. <laughs> it looks cool though, Cardiff Castle. Oh, it was great. It's a Actually, great place. Uh, the second part will, f- will be up now or tonight or whenever I don't know when this is going out but I'm planning to have it Friday night and uh, it has taken me forever to edit because it's (laughs) the Doctor Who Experience video Um, and I just filmed so much stuff in there Um, you can imagine I was like a kid in a candy shop so um, I had to cut it down a lot Um, so I finally did it and it should be up now tonight whenever yeah (laughs) good stuff so let's check out Adam's channel it's really good so until next week My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Uh, uh, Lonzy! Lonzy!